So I think you said higher standards. You're, you're going to reach your expectations. And I think we allow ourselves to um, just be happy with a shot going in um, instead of a splash or a swish. Um, if it hits the rim, then we give more points. Like we give an extra point in the preseason if it's a complete splash. Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. Today, we're joined by the head men's basketball coach at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, Donnie Boswick. Coach Boswick has a career record of 409 and 107 in 19 years as a head coach. In 2009, he led the Eagles to the NAIA D2 National Championship and set a record with 39 consecutive wins. His teams have made 17 national tournament appearances in the last 18 seasons. Coach Boswick received National Coach of the Year honors in 2009, 2010, and 2013. Before we hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamoti Podcast. Coach! What's up, brother? What is up, man? I'm excited to be on here, man. Oh, Thank it, you. I am honored, blown away that, that you'd want to be on here. So I appreciate it. Hey, tell me, tell me all of the, you know, I see the USA basketball shirt and stuff. Tell me all the things that you're with basketball that you're involved in now. Um, right now I worked uh, in the summer some uh, with uh, NBC camps, it's a Nike camp, uh, the Midwest, the Northwest. Um, a lot of it, it's out of, uh, uh, I've been doing that probably, goodness, about five, six years now. Okay. I worked with Point Guard College before that. Yeah. Um, NBC just allowed me to do my camps at home. And I, and I, I, was, I was, couldn't travel in, uh, anymore. You know, I know PGC required me traveling a lot. I love those guys. Incredible yeah. uh, group of men, Mono and those guys, TJ. Um, but uh, this allowed me to do my camps uh, at home where I was home all summer uh, and focused more on that. And, and I could pick kind of a couple I could go. So I did that this summer. It's a, another Christian basketball camp that allows me to, you know, uh, get buckets, win souls. And so that, that's a really powerful thing I did. Um, I'm also got a ministry called Spirit-Led Coach. Um, it's spiritledcoach.com. That, uh, it's kind of a blog site. And uh, I've had a couple uh, at this point going into COVID. We started it, and we had a couple coaching clinics, Christian coaches clinics, um, prior to COVID. And then so at this point, um, we, you know, I'm looking to see where that next step is for me for that. Hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, we do summer mission trips um, with our teams, uh, basketball camps here at the school as well. Um, I'm our FCA director and I, and I speak a lot for FCA here in the area. So uh, all of that keeps me flooding. Busy. You're busy. You're busy. Uh, what's your favorite culture building activity? Right, uh, you know, uh, whenever you, whenever I read that question, my first thought was, you know, I used to think program, our program. And, and then I heard somebody talk about uh, programming people whenever they hear the media and everything else. And I'm like, man, I don't want to program somebody uh, just to come out here and try to get a win out of them. Um, that's, that's, that's not a good, healthy thought process. Um, so I'm like, what, what would, you know, a culture in God's image look like? Mm. Um, and, you know, when you start thinking that, I, I think, what's his image, you know? I think you think freedom. I think you think things like uh, be creative. He's he's creative, obviously genius of the world. So are we creative? Are we selfless, loving, forgiving? Um, and and how do we become that? So uh, we do a lot of uh, service mentality things that I, I feel like uh, has has uh, changed lives and then made us better as a culture as well. And the more we've served, it seems like the greater. Uh, the greater hearts we have um, for each other and a closeness and a tightness that brings our guys, you know, willing to, to go to extra mile for each other. Um, like Jesus, you know, did for us on the cross. Um, we start that a lot of times with uh, uh, trips. Um, we're blessed to have the, the opportunity at times. Uh, I've been to Africa with the team. I've been to the Himalayas. I've been to uh, Dominican Republic um, in some really, really tough places, Angola, Bhutan, um, the Dominican and seeing young kids with uh, a, a basketball or excuse me, a, a rim of a bicycle on a little 
tree with a flat ball and they're happy. Hmm. I mean, we're, we're trying to paint their little huts and they're balling out. I mean, they've got joy. Uh, it doesn't require all the things that the world thinks you have to have to have yeah. joy. Uh, and, and our guys go in there a lot of times thinking, oh, man, we don't have everything. And they come back thinking like we are blessed beyond measure. Thank you. Sorry. So, coach, if I've ever said, uh, you know, complained about a McDonald's or a Chick-fil-A or anything, um, because it just changes your approach. Um, and so, you know, if you're lucky enough to go on trips as a team in the summer, I think that's huge. Um, at the same time, we, we went to a real small town uh, in Colorado and just did a, uh, a, a sports camp slash uh, kind of um, each night we did a thing for the kids and the, the youth and the adults uh, ministry wise. But we, we went out and painted older people's homes and uh, widows homes um, and just took a lot of kids from the city and went to this small little town out in the middle of nowhere. And by the end of the week, it was unbelievable. Mm. Uh, the growth we had as, as, as a team. Um, then we, you know, we also got to go enjoy the mountains and, and we, we climbed a 10,000, about a, it was about a 13,9 mountain. That's hardcore. Uh, and then we went wider water rafting the next day. So kids <laughs> never done stuff like that before. Yeah. So we got to experience an incredible thing right here in the States. Um, another thing, if, you know, thought process, if you're not able to do stuff like that right here in Tulsa, uh, in a lot of the big cities, Tim Tebow, uh, has a night to shine. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But it's a, a special needs prom, and uh, it is honestly one of the highlights of our team. Uh, you go over, and it's either a hotel or a church, and you get a, a special needs date, and they set it up. Man, it is amazing. You know, I'm in the karaoke room the whole night because I can't sing a lick, and I'm just bringing it, you know, having fun. Uh, and, you know, they don't have that that mean gene or whatever you want to call it, so no matter how bad you sing, if you fall off the stage, they're going to help you and cheer for you like crazy. And there's an angelic quality in that. And my guys, once again, they see the blessings they have. They're, they just changes you when you go out and have that mentality. So um, we've done that this past year because we couldn't the last two years go out of the country or anything. We actually hosted a, uh, a mission trip just for our own city and put on a concert uh, we call Freedom Fire and uh, downtown amphitheater outside. Right in the middle of COVID, September, 1,500 people came. Uh, wow. We, our messengers, came. We baptized 40 people in a fountain. Uh, hundreds of people were set free of, of fear, anxiety, panic, depression. And our guys saw God move like, wow, like they had never seen. This year, you know, we did it for the youth because of the youth, uh, you know, when it comes to suicides up, you, you yeah. name it. It's it's just sad right now the attack the enemy is using on kids even and so we were going after them specifically so we did more of a hip-hop thing and and god brought it all in Derek minor uh jonathan trailer uh kay thompson uh let's see i mean it was once again i mean it was hot during the day and it was kind of one of those lessons because that uh, we, we got there early for guys had to set up and all this kind of stuff right and um you know you had to endure uh, probably uh, the setup, we tried to do a little youth thing in the afternoon. It was super hot, but there were some kids that came and stuff. Then about four to six, uh, a couple of the other younger artists, local artists did some, you know, some stuff, but they were having to endure some heat. Yeah. And then about, about six, that sun went down. And everybody who had the ability to endure and stay through that time got to enjoy about four hours of the most incredible Wow. I mean, time of worship, my guys just said, you know, they never experienced things like that. Uh, where we were, I mean, it was a Jesus party. It wasn't no, I mean, we worship some, we we jam, we, we it was awesome. And so uh, it was, you know, I, I, I had God, felt like he told me like every tribe and every nation. And I'm like, wow, okay, God, how am I supposed to do that? You know, when I first heard this thing about doing Freedom Fire, it was like back before COVID even hit. And it was January, and I woke up in the middle of the night and felt like I was listening to a message. I fell asleep, and the YouTube just kept flipping, you know. And so about 3.30 in the morning, it was some preacher giving a prophecy. And I woke up, and it was in my ear, and I just knew it was for me. And it was just kind of a warning that, that uh, Satan was going to have an attack with fear, anxiety, panic, and depression at a level we hadn't seen. And I'm like, it was great at the time. There, you know, everything was going great nobody really thought that way and i'm like yeah what am i gonna do about that yeah um and i remember him saying like uh, like elijah um you need to bring my people to a field and uh 
and do what he did against those 450 prophets of Baal and, and go on, the, on their field and, and go to work, you know, and worship me. I'll bring my fire down and I'll destroy all these, uh, these weapons of the enemy. And I'm like, oh, fields of faith. Okay, we did that last year. About 25 kids got saved, you know, for FCA. Bigger. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay. You know, so 1,500 people ended up in a field you know, in the middle of Bartlesville. Uh, and people came. People were in Tulsa and said, I don't even know why we're here. People, I just felt like we were supposed to drive this way. Just some amazing. I, I can tell you things you wouldn't believe. Um, and you so, know, one, no, thing I, one thing I love about uh getting to do this and talking with different coaches is just to hear you know really the creativity that that different guys have the different things that they do and and you know some there there's like a reincurring theme kind of throughout what the stories that you're telling is some a lot of times we think about culture building activity it's it's with our team it's surrounding basketball it's how can they be better basketball players a better basketball team but there really wasn't one thing. Your culture building activities were your players forgetting about themselves and serving others. And but within doing that, you know, like you said, perspectives changed, eyes opened. Uh, they're they're going to be more coachable. You know, they're going to be they're going to have better hearts for their teammates. And and so I just encourage coaches like when we're thinking about man, what, what great uh, culture building activity can I get us to just play better? Serve others and forget about that. Forget about basketball. And you and I have the luxury of, of getting to work and coach and teach at, at Christian schools where we can, it's almost our mandate is to be Christ first. It's not about basketball uh, at all, you know, especially not at, in the beginning or at the, uh, in first. And and so that focus, as far as, you know, a team culture, it's amazing how, like when you said that the Christian value system, when you look at that, even as just a great team culture, that rivals, that goes right up against, I think, some of the best cultures out there that you hear about, or there's a lot of similarities. I'm going to start with John Wooden, and you can go to Vince Lombardi, and you look at the principles that they apply, they're Christian principles, and they cannot return void. And even people like, I remember reading about the New England Patriots back a few years back, they were trying to go undefeated and they put humble pie on their t-shirts under practice. So every time they took their pads off, they remembered not to be prideful and, and humble pie. And I can't guarantee it. I don't know how percentage of that locker room is Christian, but they're still applying a, a principle that cannot return void. And, you know, uh, it's sad that, that Satan uses a lot of uh, uh, and, and perverts it or changes it because he can't create. Uh, but the world, you know, they see the success we are able to have or people are able to have when they follow these principles. Um, look what Baylor did this past year. Look what uh, Gonzaga, one of my close friends, is connected with, you know, uh, with those guys, Roger Powell, assistant coach up there. They call Rev and um, ORU. I mean, it's just every year I see it over and over again how uh, Christian universities who apply principles and the coaches that, are, that live that um, – they, they, they reap reward. I mean, they just have, um, it's not every year we go through valleys too, sure. but uh, he says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And yeah, yeah it's hard to imagine. Him. It's hard to imagine Baylor basketball, the, those guys this year playing like that. It, the word joy, it really was when you watch them play, it's like, golly, they're just having so much fun. How can the stars that they have all be playing with so much joy? If that word doesn't mean Jesus first, others second and yourself third mm -hmm. if it doesn't That's, mean that and if they're not living it out you don't see a program with that much talent playing with that much joy it, it's just i mean over and over i could just you know you could do the same thing all the way back to team tebow yeah. and how i mean you could go through whenever curry and, and nigga dollar went through their stretch and even uh you know it, it's just there's gonna be a movie about kurt warner all the way back to those kind of guys and you just see it over and over again. Uh, what Alabama's whenever he was a freshman, and, and uh, you know the quarterback came out and, and halftime the national championship game, and, and he's he's just praying. He says the whole second half, and God just goes, you know, and he gives it all glory to God. And it just happens over and over again. Tyson Fury just recently, you know, whenever uh, he, he he's wearing a Jesus hat and and going out there in, in, a, in a heavyweight just brawl and. 
in the end is is trying, you know, just to do one thing. He's been into the valley. He knows what it looks like, and he knows God was there and pulled him out of that. And now, uh, just giving God glory at every every level. Sports is the biggest cool way because, you know, we worship sports. Sadly, you know, as a world, and so God's going to use whatever and prove that I can I can control anything, uh, and I'm going to be a part of everything and raise it. You know, He can stop it, or He can, you know. Uh, use it. And I think as, as we do as, as coaches, um, it's one of the most powerful callings there is. And I, and I believe um, without that calling and without an anointing, like it's going to get very selfish and you're going to, yeah. you're going to try to use your kids to win and, yeah. and try to climb a ladder and where can I, you know, I got to get another job. And, and you're always looking at the other side of it. And, and, and it's just sad because I did some of that as a young coach as well um, without my eyes and focused on really what was the key. Uh, to, to being joyful and successful and, and happy as a father and a, and a husband. Um, because, you know, I'll say this at the end, what do you, you know, what would you do differently? And that'll be part of what I talk about then because uh, it's, 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 it's so funny. Uh, uh, I, was, I was trying to write down things, you know, that I was going to talk about, but one, one thing specifically is God's God doesn't do my uh, addition. If it adds up, it's probably not God. He's a multiplier. Hmm. He breaks and multiplies. And so he loves the three. I mean, I could go all day on the three. Uh, you know, you think 12, you think 30's day, David's 30. Then he had his three, the disciples of 12. He had Peter, James, and John. And he always has, there's always a one. There's always a John. There's always a, a Benaiah with David. And, uh, you know, you think the cross, nine o'clock, he went on the cross. Three hours later, 12, you know, God it turns dark. And three hours later, he dies. Three days later, uh, you could just go on and on and on about how God loves multiplication into three. And so uh, as we try to do it ourselves and figure out how to do it in our mind uh, and we forget to apply his principles, you know, I made it, I made it, I don't make, you say make deals with God. But when I took this job 30 years ago, I uh, was 38, um, excuse me, I was 38 years old when I, I was the first head coaching job at college. I'd been 10 years as an assistant coach. And we won a national championship as an assistant coach. And we had, you know, scholarships. And it was hard enough to even imagine doing that then. It was a miracle. But uh, I take a job, you know, Oklahoma Wesleyan at the time in 2007. Uh, we have two scholarships. They had had six straight 20 loss seasons. It, it looked like a absolute nightmare. I had actually turned the job down five years prior. The school was about to close. It just looked like there was an impossible situation. Completely impossible to go and have success. And I was just hoping I could have enough success that somehow I could get another job. Mm. And, and I said that I, I don't know how we're going to do this, God. You know, and he's, I basically felt like he told me, uh, he'd give me, give me 10 biblical principles. And he said, you, you apply these principles and you keep me at 50% or higher. And uh, if at any point you, you, you know, you think that you're going to drop me below 50% of what we're doing here and the focus, then you're back on you. And I was like, oh, 50, I'm going like, I got to go 75, 80. I can't even think. So that meant cutting out some film sessions and, and, and uh, some of the player development stuff and recruiting stuff I was doing and spend more time trying to teach these principles and, and do service things and stuff like that. It made no sense how we were going to be successful and do that stuff more. And instead, we went 120 and 20, 139 consecutive games. He went nuts. And I'm teaching things like meekness. Um, and what is meekness? And, and uh, the world would think meek is weak. I thought meek was weak, soft. I'm like, but it says the meek will inherit the earth. And I'm like, well, what's a biblical definition of meekness? And I think Satan's pretty smooth about, you know, flipping words and making it where we won't use that word. And so weak is what, you know, I think people would think. If, you, if I asked 100 kids, I said, what does meek mean? 75 of them are going to say, ah, weak, timid. And that word actually biblically means power under control. Mm. And I'm like, that is exactly what we're trying to be. Right. We're supposed to be that line of the saying that Jesus drew. And we're never angry out of control. Or we're never timid and soft because that's a sin too. We should be this thing that everybody looks at and is like, nah, that's fearless. That is crazy power. Like, I want to be like them. You know, that's who I want to be like. And so we had, you know, we applied meekness. We pride love over fear. And love never fails. So, you know, fear blocks more shots than any shot blocker. 
So you apply those principles and it just made no sense. But uh, it's just been unbelievable to see, you know, that sustained now for 15 years. Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Biology. What's your BSA score? The Biology Skill Assessment is the only verified skills metric endorsed by the NIA and NJCAA to discover and develop the best talent for your team. This 10-minute, 100-shot test can be taken for free today on the Biology mobile app. Elevate your game. So all the all those great culture, uh, the the 10 and and everything that you do with your team, how does that ultimately drive the performance of your team and, and, and more specifically with basketball? I'll go back to, uh, to say courage. Um, you know, my dad went to heaven a few years back and uh, the last thing he said to me on his bed was to be strong and courageous. We had just watched a, um, a, a, a guy preach on Joshua one. And it says to three times as Joshua was fixing to go into the promised land, you know, he, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. You have to be strong and courageous. You can be very strong and courageous. And my dad said, um, son, you're going to have to be very strong and courageous. Last thing he told me, take care of your mama. Hmm. And uh, same thing Jesus told, P, uh, told, told John. And if you know, the only disciple that didn't, didn't get crucified uh, or, or killed was right. John because he had to take care of mama. <laughs> yeah. And they said that they tried to poison him and tried to boil him alive and couldn't kill him. Put him on a rock island. They couldn't do nothing to stop this guy. He's like a superhero back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's where he wrote Revelations. And, um, you know, so uh, courage. What is courage? It's not the absence of fear. It's the ability to overcome fear. It's knowing, you know, that, that fear is there, but you have something greater in you um, that can overcome that. And so I, I give you a fun example. Um, you know, this is stuff I, I want to share as much as I can with, like, the secrets of what I know success is. Um, Greg Tonegal, uh played at Valparaiso with the Drews and stuff. And um, he uh, he was Indiana Wesleyan coach, but he is Indiana Wesleyan coach. And I was going from Oklahoma Wesleyan to Sagu, so I was going Division One, Division Two, and uh, or Division Two, Division One. And so he says, hey, can I come spend three days with you? I said, sure. You know, come on down, like. You know basketball better than me. You've been with Valparaiso, Indiana basketball. Like, you know, you guys, what are you going to learn from me, right? And he says, well, you guys have just had the ability to go a little further in the playoffs than we have the last few years. I just want to – I like to go see coaches. And so I said, well, come on down. We're in off season. I don't know what you're going to see at a recruit in the gym working out. And so he comes down. We spend three days, a lot of days like this, just talking. Yeah. And uh, so the third day I asked him, like, hey, what what'd you get, you know? And he says, well – I used to think you just had better talent than everybody. And you just basically just went out and, and played harder and, and played, you know, had better athletes. He goes, but I was very unbelievably impressed with the details. Your kids play with crazy freedom, but they have details inside the freedom where if they blow a layup, they're doing push-ups on their own. And if they don't catch the ball with two hands, they're, they're doing push-ups on their own. And they just have these details that they know that they have to get, do to get better. And stuff, and, and it makes everything flow so smoothly, um, as it, even though they have crazy freedom and fearless. He goes, but what I really take home is fearless. He goes, the further in the playoffs we went, the more I'm like putting more pressure on my guys, and you know, every time they miss a shot, I'm harping on them, make an extra pass, so it's seven passes before you shoot, type mentality. And he goes, we get to about lead eight and we fall. So he went home, he wrote Fearless on the side of his locker room, and they went three championships in the next four years. And he studied it, and he says, we just – now he has a camp where half of the basketball high school teams in Indiana go to his camp, and they study stuff like this. And, I mean, how awesome is that? Yeah. I mean, I take zero credit. He just, I think, saw something kind of cool and, and ran with it, and God spoke to him, you know, because he was hungry and seeking. And so um, I would say driving performance. Um, you know, a couple other things. Um, I think you just have to be a – this is like I bring a kid in here to recruit, uh, and every time we have a Devo once a week, I'm trying to show them what a true representation of Christ is. What, what does that look like? Um, and so to me, you know, I said, what? Was Jesus tough? And I sit there, you know, they're like, well, I think he turned over the tables one time, right? I'm like, yeah, I see. You know, that's pretty tough. I said, well, let me let me go a little further here, right? Maybe you can think a couple other times. Um, 
well, I mean, obviously he died for us and that was hard. I'm like, yeah, it was, that was unbelievable. You know, I think that was, that was probably the best example of it, but you know, what about a time whenever um, they come to get him and he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's got his three boys, you know, with him, Peter, James, and John, and he knows they're coming and he's telling them to, to stay tough and stay away. And then they fall asleep three times on him, you know, and it's still his boys. He's taking them some great places. They've got to see amazing things, but uh, here they come. It's, it's, a, a Garrett, uh, which is uh, up to like 500 soldiers, they come to get him, and he's he's he just says, you know, uh, who are you looking for? And at that time, that you know, somebody I don't know if it was uh, Judas is obviously fixing to give him a kiss, but they you know he says uh, they say Jesus of Nazareth, and he says I am, and then he says he I guess, but when he says I am. All 500 fall on their tail. Now, how would you like to be part of those, those soldiers that came to get him? They just got knocked on their tail from a guy saying, I am. And then he goes on to tell them, well, Peter runs over, cuts a dude's ear off, right? And he throws it back on. Nah, come on, Peter. We could, but we're not going to. And then he tells them, you're going to let my boys go. And you couldn't take me if you wanted me, if you wanted to. Uh, you've been, I've been around. You, you could have come and got me. And uh, I'm going to go on my own accord. And these guys, you just, can you imagine these 500 soldiers who just got knocked on their tail from his words? That's superhero stuff that people, you know, imagine now today. That's real. And that's the power that we have whenever Luke 4, Luke 4, 1, okay? He just gets baptized. And immediately the Holy Spirit fills him, okay? And it says, full of the Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. And nobody wants to go in the valley of shadow death. Nobody wants to go in the wilderness. But he goes, and, you know, he's there at least 40 days. As he, he didn't eat, and Satan, you know, tempts him. and over. He's able to, to overcome all of that with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Luke 4, 14, just 10 verses later, it says, he leaves the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, and then he adds one big word, and power. He goes in, but full of the Holy Spirit. He comes out full of Spirit and with power. The wilderness is where you get your power, mm. the ability to test time, go through. I told my guys, if you wouldn't have endured six hours or seven hours of the heat and everything else, you wouldn't have got to experience, because some people left, the three or four hours of worship that was unbelievable. So you almost always have to understand, like, Joseph Pitt, it led to the palace, like, praise him in the pit. And I know for a fact, I mean, if a miscarriage of, you know, cancer, I I've seen so much, but as long as I, you're faithful then, like, I'm telling you, the, the, the next thing that follows almost, uh, you know, to a T in my life anyway, is unbelievable, like miracles and wonder and all that just blow my mind. Um, and so that's kind of the, uh, what drives our performance, I, I believe, um, with the culture of this kind of thing, it's, it's fearless nature, it's, it's playing a selfish, uh, selflessly. It's playing uh, um, hard, and, and because I tell my guys this, you can't, okay? God doesn't show up until the impossible. You don't need him till then. So when you're still holding back and not playing as hard as you can, how are you expecting him to do anything? When you give all you got with a great attitude and, and your focus is not on you and everything, then at the moment you think you're about to fall down and, and, and fail, Watch what happens mm. and, and watch him show up in you in a way that's just, it's impossible. I, I love so, that. I love that idea or that viewpoint of why to give your very, very best. I have really, I don't think I've ever thought about it or that way or articulated that to my players that way of give your very, very best so that you maximize what you have and God can step in and do big things. But I, I Never thought of when we hold back, you know, what miracles, what blessings are we missing out of? What big moments are we missing out on because of our fear or, or lack of or willingness to give our best? I love that. That's great. I've been listening to Michael Todd's, you know, crazier faith um, message. Very, very good. And he talks about lazy faith. <laughs> I think about lazy and it's, it's you know. They say good is the enemy of great, but lazy, lazy will flat out drain you and kill your dream, you know, mm -hmm. and, and how do you somehow come out of a, a, a somebody who's 
they fear one thing. They get fatigue makes cowards of us all. Then they fear fatigue and, and getting a kid to go further longer than he believes he can. And that's, that's something that, you know, he's really good for two minutes, but after that, I, I got to get him out. Yeah. And I'm trying to get him to go to four minutes, you know, conditioning can go only so far, but the mind's the weakest thing. So how do you come overcome that? Well, um, if I'm going to talk about, um, you know, I'm going to squeak into number nine question here, I think on this one a little bit, um, where you talk about, um, you know, what makes a difference in our program, but, you know, you talk about a, a weight room, right? Everybody's like, weight room, you know, whenever they do something strong or whatever else. So I often, you know, try to get a, uh, a young man. I'll be like, okay, stand up. You look good. You know, a recruit or something. And I'm like, uh, so if, if I was to take your physical man right here and I pull out your spirit man, who's going to live forever. This guy here's dying someday. I'm 52. I'm getting older. My, my, my physical man's starting to look a little, little gray. And I'm trying to stay in the way. But you still my, look good. <laughs> I'm like, if you put your spirit man over here, how many times a day do you eat? You know, five, six times a day. I said, well, how many times do you feed your spirit man a day or a week? Like maybe a Sunday morning. I'm like, so you feed him once a week. I said, he's he, he looking like skinny rail. Starving. starving. Yeah. yeah. When you get that spirit man stronger than your physical man, look out. I mean, now you can do miracle. You can do supernatural things. But you're still relying on your physical, you know, man. So, you know, when, when we try to have that balance of those two things, you know, our theme right now uh, going into the year, and I feel like every year we put a theme on our shirt. You know, we, we try to do things like, you know, with SCA and Devos, uh, music. We listen to music in, in early part of practice. We listen to, you know, we have a theme of the of the week even, you know, and as a, of the year as well. But our theme of the year, you know, I've prayed about it a lot. And our theme right now um, is focused on favor. And it's really interesting because the one thing that kind of um, the longest conversation or, or like almost like this little rough thing came on was over this. And I'm thinking like usually it's some kind of goofy thing, right? Mm. My two spiritual leaders on my team come in. They want to talk. And I'm like, did somebody do something stupid? What's going on? What's going on? They're like, coach, I'm a little concerned about our shirt. Like, our shirt? And they're like, yeah, like God's favor. like. We don't want people to think we're, you know, not humble. Maybe we should put his mercy or his grace on there. And I said, you know, you've heard me talk a lot. I'm glad you're thinking that way. You've got a great mentality there. You know, you lower yourself. You raise others and Jesus higher. I said, I understand that completely. But you can't not say favor is not in the Bible. It starts with Noah. It says Mary was highly favored. You know him all. Jesus even grew in favor. I'm sitting there going like, how do we not? understand favor is is a good thing and i know like right now you, you're, you're concerned about privilege and bullying and culture and all that kind of stuff they talk about uh and i'm said when they're when the world's trying to get you to take something away uh whether it's like you know re remove the holy spirit a little bit because people are kind of you know i'm like why would we take the power away why would we take god's favor i said we we can't earn it it's all god given but he does reward those who diligently seek him and those that are obedient. And maybe he just takes away your fear and gives you some more courage and that helps you win. But he's still rewarding you. You still got to do your part. But, you know, like there's a balance though. You know, I think, um, yeah, you have a little bit, some people, and I and I, I never want to judge anybody, but there's some probably prosperity gospel that's a little bit further out on the edge that needs to be. And then there's the other sign, which is kind of the get out of jail grace card that you do anything you want. Once you get saved, and I'm like, neither one of those are probably right, yep. but we have to have this balance of understanding, man, like humility, grace, and mercy are awesome, but so are favor, anointing, and power. <laughs> those those three things we should be like going, God, like don't take our favor away. Don't take your anointing away from me. Um, but I'm not going to go into this club right here because it may remove my anointing or my favor from God. I'm not going to watch this show today because... I'm afraid of one thing, God. I ain't afraid of nothing else, you know, and I don't want to lose his favor in my life. And teaching kids to do that and have a, have an understanding of that, it just has been, you know, powerful to, because they're going to be better men, better husbands, better fathers someday with kids and stuff as they learn these principles and apply them. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, 
create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. Um, you know, we have a formula that we, we, on the court and off the court, that we believe we have to apply. Um, and we add to it all the time. The, the basketball formula uh, is kind of something I've felt like God gave me back when I first took over this job because I felt like we were going to have to win with less and figure out a way to do that with smaller guys and that kind of stuff. And so I would say, you know, say make it real simple, four things. Um, offensive rebound points. So if you take offensive rebound points, transition points, and three balls, three points. So if I beat you 12 threes to your eight, that's four points. Um, offensive rebounds, say 10 to six, that's four more. And then uh, transition points, I beat you by two, that's 10 points. And for, uh, I'm not kidding, I, I did, the, did the math. For, for 10 years, we beat our opponents by an average of 10 points per game in those areas. So they got to mm -hmm. beat us 10 to beat us. And then you had maybe the most important one out of all of them was hold your opponents under 40% on the field goal percentage. And so if we're able to do that, we that's win the four. Those are the four things. Those are the four. Okay. We win 100% of our games. If you win, if you get three of those, it's about 80, 85, 83%. That's, that's been our winning percentage for the last 15 years. Um, and it seems real simple. Those are not hard, easy to do because there's uh, so many things that go into lower field goal percentage. Beating your opponents, you know, on the offensive boards. Yeah. My best season. How many do you send? How many do you send to the glass? Uh, you know, I, I used to send four. Um, Bob McKillop, Curry's coach, uh, he sold me out on saying, I said four and a half. And I said, four and a half. And he goes, Yeah, I put Curry at the elbow because when you get an offensive rebound and they pitch it out for a three, we call them daggers. And coaches are pulling their hair out. Not only did they get an offensive rebound, but now they hit a three on them. Hmm. And so we sent four and a half. And people would say, but what, what about, you know, layups and stuff? I said, they're so worried about it. We, we rebounded 48% of our misses. And uh, we're 35 and two one year. Usually we're around 40 to 42 on offensive rebound percentage. Um, that just means if we have a bad night shooting, we still win. Because yep. we're able to go to the offensive board. We had 27 offensive rebound points. Uh, uh, just Saturday, um, and the 27 offensive rebound points and 25 transition points, you're not going to beat that. Yep. Uh, and we didn't shoot the ball very good. But everybody thought we played awesome, you know. And I'm sitting there going, man, we got, we got to get better shooting. We got to hit the ball. It's some shots here. You know, at the same time, I'm, I'm thrilled because we're, we're doing those little things. Uh, I got five, five, ten guys that, that can understand the principle of going harder earlier, anticipating and getting great position. And I'm like, the same thought process. How, how are you going to get God's favor and, and anointing? Um, well, obviously, you're going to accept Christ in your, you know, because Christ means anointing. When he comes in your life, you have a, a measure of anointing and, and Holy Spirit in you. But you want to be baptized and have a whole, full, just like he was, and, and, and more anointing and stuff. And we all have a gift in, in sports that are, you know, athletes and basketball players. So you need to use that gift. But I tell my, I was telling my guys, I was like, hey, you know, um, how do you want to increase I said, you need to position yourself, just like in a rebound, on the yeah. backside, inside position, half the distance from where the ball's shot, to where that ball's probably going to go, and you get to see it early, so then you got to learn to read it and go get it if it's not coming to you. Like, that's the same thing as the Holy Spirit. And, and favor and position yourself in a position where God's looking down and going, that's my boy. Like, man, I just, I just, I just want to give him my favor right now, because that's what favor is, a king, kingdom mentality. A king would give favor to somebody that was favorable in his sight. And that's what our king does who loves us uh, even more so than, you know, because he knows our hearts and, and how, you know, how we really think. If we're doing it, we're going to pray before the game just to get a win today. Afterwards, it's over. Whether win or lose, I'm going to go do what I want. You think, you think God's that dumb? <laughs> that's right. That's happening. Not, 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 not fooled. And I want to dig a little bit deeper on one thing. So when I played, I always wanted to know routines of great players, you know, working out a little bit now, I want to know what, what great athletes or dudes that are older, but still in shape, what they do. You mentioned, you know, your physical body and then that spiritual body and working out or feeding both. Uh, I would just love if, if you're open, what are some things or kind of just like a routine that you do daily to feed? Cause I would, I would imagine, um, that coaches struggle just like players do with feeding their physical body. 
we struggle with feeding our, us ourselves spiritually, especially during the season when you got this list of things that you have to do. What's your daily routine with that look like? Um, you know, what's sad is I wish I knew all this stuff back when I was 20, um, you know, in the sense of that, because I've always been willing to beat my body up and just, I mean, break a, I've had scars all over, you know, and break, you know, playing hard, having fun with the basketball game. Um, same thing with my body. I would stay up, you know, three or four in the morning scouting opponents and trying to get that edge on beating somebody that I knew the only way we were going to beat them is if we knew every play they did and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, and to the point of, you know, I, I probably had 15 or 20 kidney stones, um, dehydrating myself, letting myself get stressed out, things that lead to that. And even though I know that, um, you know, that's that's been unhealthy for me. And uh, I've gotten way better on all that the last few years. And those have went down and all that, thank the Lord. But, uh, you know, I, I would say uh, one thing I heard the other day that uh, who you go to bed with is who you wake up with. Um, so um, if I go to bed with uh, spending time with Jesus and my spirit's been focusing on him instead of watching some either, you know, not maybe not a bad movie, but just a movie. Yeah. Um, but it's not focused on him. I go to bed, my spirit doesn't sleep. So what is it focusing on throughout the night? Um, but if I went to bed and I was dwelling on him and spending some time with him, uh, first thing in the morning, like he's there waiting for me as soon as I wake up. And now I want to spend morning time with him, which I used to want to sleep in. And so uh, I, I usually spend about an hour to two hours every night and every morning um, in the Word, uh, listening to a podcast, listening to a message, a video, going out and working working out. Um, I've been working out about 6.30 in the morning. Uh, I'll either uh, have, have a podcast in or, or listening to a message from some, or God or just in worship, like listening to some of my favorite music. I'm a big music guy. And so um, there's, a, there's a thing called a homagabin. I'm kind of probably going to mess that up a little bit. It's a Hebrew word, and uh, uh, I to, can't remember the exact way to spell it, but you have to look it up. Okay. Um, and it's a time that the um, uh, the Hebrew, um, they spend, they set aside a time every day that they spend with God. And no matter, they will not bend on that time. That time set aside for God. And we have, what, 45 minutes on Sunday on average? you know, for, for God. And then we expect him to do miracles and see miracles in our lives. And, yeah, and it makes no sense. It's a great um, reminder. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like we did a freedom fire events though. And I'm human just like anybody else. Um, I never fasted until I was 30 some years old. Uh, and it was because a friend had a, a brain aneurysm. And I, I felt like, you know, I, I I was yelling at God out loud, like, why would you let this happen? This guy loves you. And I felt like God said, fight. And I was like, at that point, I drove a church bus. I was all American because of that, you know. But I never read my Bible. Um, I just went to church all the time. And I was a good guy. Yeah. But I didn't praise and worship because I can't sing. Kind of sat near the back. I was cool. And, uh, you know, like I said, I let my wife, she would kind of wear the spiritual pants in the family. Um, she'd read the Bible to my kids and stuff like that. But I drove a church bus. I was a good guy. And so I was going to heaven. I'm, I'm confident. But at that moment, like when I heard him say fight, I knew exactly what he was talking about. And when a coach tells you to get in the game, what do you do? You don't look around being like, hey, why don't you put him in? <laughs> I'm kind of tired, coach. Like You're off the bench. So I heard him say get in the game. I'm like, let's go. I'm in. And I knew at that moment, I watched my mom on her knees every night when I was a kid praying for my dad and her dad and her brother. And, you know, I knew she fasted. I knew she, she would read the Bible to me as I fell asleep and I knew exactly what he was telling. And I, I went for the first time into a level of fasting and praying and seeking and all that stuff in the Sunday school and the time that I, I, I memorized the 91st Psalms and the 23rd Psalms for 10 bucks, all that stuff started coming out of me. And I knew my friend, I said, if I would fight, I knew my friend was going to make it. And he wasn't supposed to be able to make it. You know, they gave him no chance. And, and it got it a miracle, you know. And I tasted for two months something that I had never tasted at a level that I didn't realize existed. 
went all in. And uh, two months later, I thought I was going to be the next head coach at that school because I was an All-American there. And we won an championship. I've been there 10 years. And, you know, it didn't happen. Uh, I didn't get the job, um, you know, which is cool. I mean, later on, God had a different plan. But he gave me the Oklahoma Western job. Mm. And, you know, now I know he prepared me for 10 years in the in the wilderness, in the in the for what he's had for me the last 15 years, which is not even fair. Yeah. And and so uh, how do you not uh, look at anything you know differently anymore? Because I, I sit there and say, like I said, um, what do I do in the mornings? What is a regular day for me? It's two hours, two hours, some physical something in there and then try to make sure my wife likes to go to bed early. So I spend as much time with her until she's ready to go to bed. And then I go spend time with God. Um, with the Free to Fire event, um, I've learned that there's a spiritual battle going on all the time we can't see. And you got to win that spiritual battle before the physical battle shows up. You can't wait till the physical battle and then start praying. <laughs> it's probably too late right. uh, at times for you to to, to understand the, the war and that's going on. And, and, and I'm not talking about basketball games here, but sure. I would go up to the event place in the field, uh, the amphitheater. Every night, and and I started doing it just at first because I thought, well, I'll go up here and walk around, pray a little bit over this place. Well, then went up there like nine o'clock. God showed up. I'm by myself, and I'm like, I can't leave. I'm there until like two in the morning. Like it's so wow, and it's just worshiping. I'm doing my own concert by myself. Every night I go up there. And like some nights I'm like, oh man, it's it's kind of cold and kind of tired tonight. And I here I tell my guys this is one of our principles: don't go by feelings. If you don't feel like getting back on defense, get back on defense. If you don't feel like going to the boards, go to the boards. Because the feelings will get you beat every time. And so whenever I don't feel like something, I, I know I better get on my man, uh, you know, grown man thing and say, okay, it's time to, to focus and go. And so I've learned, like, man, by doing that time with him, it's not doing time. It's yeah. a privileged opportunity that he shows up and like, I may have to be there two hours just chilling, waiting, but like, it's hard to explain all that, you know? To be no, it's, it's great. That's great. And I, I, I mean, I like, I, I do one thing I've, I've, I mean, doing this for a few months now, it's amazing. Just the directions that you get to go, you know, it's, this isn't, it's not a basketball podcast, <laughs> you know, awesome. it's not it's Shimodi podcast, just a matter of doing it, but it's all about, uh not what we do but how we do what we do and and for i've always been a fan of yours and wanting to know more about you just this connection that you have i think is one that we can all aspire to and and but and but i shouldn't be shocked right now if i if i the the moments when i tell my players this the moments when i just feel like things are off or life's not lining up the way that I feel like it should, or I'm not in the right mindset, I have to immediately go back to my walk. And when my walk is off, when I'm not spending that time, like, again, I'm amazed at 39, I'm still surprised that that I don't recognize that disconnect quicker. But then, and in those moments where like, I look back, I'm like, you know, that was a time of, of joy and a time of peace, and a time of, of, of clarity. Well, I was in the word daily. I was listening and watching the right things and having, there's just no, like, why am I, why am I still surprised? And so I really, I do appreciate you telling me, I mean, the two hours, two hours, but then like, I, uh, but even the more detail you went to, it's, it also has to do with like, listening to so i listen to music when i work when i work out not always worship and it's not always a sermon but like what that could be a time where that's 30 to 45 minutes that i could steal back and not just be working out but also uh uh growing my relationship with god and so i man i appreciate you being so open and and authentic with sharing those things so that that's powerful Tell you what, if he can use me, um, I'm not articulate, don't claim to be. Um, small town boy from Prior Creek, didn't have an ACT score. Nobody ever come from my family to go to college. Uh, you name it, 
you know, 10 years as an assistant, most people would have said at the time, you know, not successful and not making much money. Um, and those are the best times of my life. I mean, it's not about the money. It's not about the fame. Like, I'll go back and coach seventh grade girls again tomorrow, which is my first job. I actually ran into three of those girls. Uh, I was over at a Toby Mac concert um, just last week, and three of those girls were there. And that first seventh grade team, we won one game. Nice. But they love the Lord, and I mean, we got better, and they were awesome, you know, uh, at 7 in the morning or 6.30 in the morning. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's so much bigger. Um, and, and I know it's hard to explain that uh, to, to kids and they want to they want to be successful right now, you know, and, and you have kids. We're a different program. We, we don't do a lot of transfers. We have a few. But, you know, we bring a lot of high school kids in and, and I've had kids that, you know, right now I start probably. Three kids that started off in, in our you want to call JV or or uh, call G League team. Yeah. Uh, and stuff. And so you're growing them, you know, through, them. through a program. One thing that um, I, I've always loved about listening to you and when I've been able to watch your teams play, the fearlessness, the relentlessness, but also the way you shoot. And so when you see a team shoot with that much, but it just looks like they're all confident and it, it stems from the way that they train and the way that they're being coached. So how do you teach shooting confidence with your teams? Um, so I think you said higher standards, um, constantly, um, you're, you're going to reach your expectations. And I think we allow ourselves to, um, just be happy with a shot going in, um, instead of a splash or a swish. Um, if it hits the rim, then we give more points. Like we give an extra point in the preseason. If it's a complete splash, hmm. um, we want to be, most of our shots need to be guarded, uh, at least a hand trying to be guarded. Uh, I'm not a big fan of just too much. I mean, I'm nothing wrong with 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 just sitting there shooting, form shooting. Uh, but like, you know, like if you're sitting, get, working on getting your shot off quick, I'd still, even if you have the shoot away, have a person stick a hand up. That net is not realistic. Yeah. So uh, if you're a good shooter, you're going to be challenged. You're going to have people in your grill and you're going to have to get your shot off quick. But so I think uh, if we're doing certain things, we celebrate, we celebrate excellence. Um, we set higher standards. If, if 10 is the drill, we're going for 12. And, and if we don't get 12, we're going to we're going we're going to try three times and do a few things that makes you not, you know, sit on the wall for a second. Make you think about why, why are you not focusing? You can get this. You know, you got this. Um, we always say 14 wins a championship. 10 gets you out of the drill. Which one do you want? Mm. And 14, we had to win four, and, and when we won it in 09, we had to win, hit 14 threes twice to beat a team the last two games. And you're sitting there, it just come true. It was almost like it was obvious um, that, you know, because the other teams, they were they were good, and they were hitting 50% of their threes too that night. We're sitting there going like, what is, what's going to happen that night? You go home, or do you rise up to another level of excellence? When you're shooting on them, them rims in a postseason and you have a new ball out and you have the high, you know, the, the – the rims are tighter than your old high school gym. And now you're going to have to splash or those guys that can't splash can't make shots no more. That's right. And so we're just constantly trying to focus on, you know, like we talked about the push-ups for missing a layup. Well, right now, if you hit the back iron, because it's the hardest part of the rim, then you got three push-ups. Wow. If you miss it because it hits the back iron, because I, I don't want you shooting flat. And I keep telling, you know, good players, like uh, flat shots, it's not – that's target. not hard it's to figure out. Target. I'm a rocket scientist. Yeah. It's going to go in with more arch. You look at Dirk and all those guys that shoot high percentages. Um, so we're just constantly on details, but then we want to keep the confidence there and the fearless nature to be able to shoot it. Um, so how do you create excellence and reward, you know, splashes without taking away confidence? Um, and, you know, I, I think I ask, I ask, if I was to ask you, what's a good shot? You know, and if you're one of my players and uh, they know the answer now because I've told them a few times, but when you're going to make. Yeah, it's pretty simple. <laughs> well, do you know, if you know, you're going to make it and shoot yeah. it. Yeah. If you don't know you're going to make it, don't shoot it. And now if you're you know, I just just do that, like if 
over a period of time, you know, some guys got a bigger green light. They're shooting 50% from three. They're leading the country or whatever in three. They're going to have a greener light. And you may need to understand, I got to, I got to get hot or before I start taking tougher shots. And some guys can make tough shots and stuff. And that's just common sense. But uh, I think there's a, a way of, I talk about automatics. So um, I want them to play fearless and make aggressive mistakes. Weakness would be two things, soft and the double team or, or driving baseline and stepping out of bounds and not owning the sideline yeah. um, uh, or doing a mistake twice, mm. an aggressive thing twice. So uh, if they go zone one possession, the first time they go zone, I ask my guys, hey, let's go inside out one time. So that just means, you know, get it inside or drive it inside before we just swing and jack one. Now, if you get one on the side and you know you're going to make it, shoot it. If you miss, you're coming out. But you'll go back in. But I'm not, I'm not, I would, I love that guy shoots and makes it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you know you were going to make it, didn't you? He misses, he knows, but he's not scared to shoot it. He knows he's going to go back in. And there's just confidence, I think, that brings with automatics. Yeah. And so they know we rotate, we play a lot of guys. And, you know, but they know they're confident I'm going to put them back in. We're going to, we're going to have a, a quick conversation and maybe about the why or whatever at times. Sometimes it's fatigue, but, uh, you know, they know a couple like if they're guarding ball inbounds and, and they let it go underneath to the, an easy layup. I'm like, we have one rule. Just your job is to make it go in the corner. <laughs> Don't let it go underneath. And that's automatic. You come out. Mm. Um, and I think that takes some of the pressure off of them wondering why they came out or, or things like that. Um, one so thing, I think that coach, once again, one, one, one thing that you said that uh, there's so much gold there. I mean, and, and we don't have enough hours to, to break it all down. But one thing you said was training, uh, them training to shoot contested shots. And that's really interesting um, because I think majority of coaches out there would, would say that the goal of their offensive possession is to create a wide open shot, uh, you know, and, and different shot scales and all those things. But if you really think about when you're playing against poor competition and, you, and you're offensively, you're sound, yes, you will create some open shots. But the better competition that you're against, the better defensive teams you play against, open shots are rare. Now, and, and, and But here's what, here's what I think we could do is we can train our guys through the speed of their preparation how, literally how long it takes for their feet to get down and leather to touch your fingertips for the shot to get up. We can increase their speed, but then also we can teach them how to, because when, when, when I, people think con, like most contested shots really aren't so contested that that's why they missed. Like, you know, like they, the hand was so high that they either blocked it or they made them change or adjust or speed up. Most of the time it's just because of the hand Players not used to that because 99% of the shots that we shoot in practice are open, wide open. So I, I, I mean, we, we have a shot scale, you know, uh, sevens are wide open jump shots within their range. Sixes are contested jump shots. But what I tell my guys is we want your sixes to that line to blur so much between mm -hmm. six and seven because you shoot fast enough. And you're used to hands being high because if you're playing against good defense or defensive teams, you're just not going to be wide open. So I think, and, teams, and honestly, yeah. it helps you shoot with arch. I mean, it's honestly yeah. a reminder. That's yeah, good. I, you know, it's like a high five. The guy, thank you. Line it up a little bit. Perfect. It's just in my and you're talking in your mind constantly about confidence. I'm like, what's your word, man? Booyah! Like money. What what is your word that that you're saying right now inside your mind? is breaming with confidence because if you don't say, if you don't have such confidence and joy that like I, we got freedom to let it fly. We know we're going to offensive rebound that thing. But if we don't make that extra pass, then we're also, you know, that's a, that's an automatic. You, yeah. you should have made the extra one. You know, we saw it and you did and you need to start seeing better then because there was an extra pass there available and it would have been a better pass. I like that. I like the word idea. I'm going to, I may, I'm, I may borrow that. Uh, I, I, had a I had a coach tell me never use the word steal when you're talking about coaches because stealing is wrong. <laughs> but borrow, Bar you can borrow things all day long. But I'll probably borrow that. And you know, but the when 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 coaches think about we want to shoot more, uh, 
or they see teams that shoot a high volume of threes, like we're 30 to 40, you know, most games in a 32 minute, you know, high school game. And uh, a majority of those would probably by other standards be bad shots. But if we, if you train the way we train, if you think the way we think and your sixes can become sevens because of your preparation and then training, like you're talking about, that's how you get more volume up, and they're not, in our minds, bad shots. And there's, we have a lot of shooting drills where they're made for somebody to close out on you. Uh, as you say, like, it's funny. I'll have one drill where the, my goal is for the guy to make a challenge shot. Just, just a hand-up shot, right? I mean, just a normal. And then the next drill is for the, you know, late, couple, couple drills later is for that defensive guy. You better not let him make this shot. Mm. And the guy's still trying to get a shot off and hit, but now the defense is doing everything but put a foot underneath his foot, yeah. trying to not foul him and make him miss. Because, you know, once again, defense foot percentage, we have to be the best closeout team in the country. The, t- the two times we won national championships in the finals, we made it three times that far. In all three years, we were number one in defensive field goal percentage, 37, 37, 38. And so that was the highest correlation between the biggest amount of success. We've always been top five in those other areas as well, but that one, you know, you better steal the ball a lot if you're not holding their defensive field goal percentage down because when it comes down to you playing better teams, like you said, they're going to guard you. You're going to have to grind in the half court sometimes. Yeah. And you're going to have to belly guard them and stop their better players. Coaches, the one thing that every team needs is confident shooters. The last eight years at Grapevine Faith, our teams have averaged 354 made threes each season. I love getting to share with coaches how our shooters train and more importantly, how they think. If you would like to enhance your shooting culture at your school, contact me directly at jamodipodcast at gmail.com. Uh, what's one thing you would do differently if you could start over in coaching? It's, uh, it's pretty simple to me. Um, I, would, I would definitely um, spend more time with my family, uh, more, uh, more time... Uh, Focused on teaching my guys the principles of success um, and uh, trust in God, you know, is going to help. In my mind, it didn't add up because I felt like I had to out recruit everybody. I have to be on a row five days a week. I have to be doing like so much work with my players to develop them and watching that film till late night. So when was I, when was I ever going to like spend time with him? Sunday morning? Mm-hmm. I was going, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And I was still serving, but I, I was sacrificing what I needed to be focusing on. Yeah. And when I flipped those two things, I still, you know, I have a great staff. I have to, I have to start delegating and trusting them as well. Um, and, and, you know, people I trust that I know can do their job as well. And, um, and it, it doesn't add up, like I said, but we had more success um, by that. And I know if I would have done that even earlier, um, he was still amazingly good to me when he knew that I was still learning and I was growing and everything else as well. Um, but as I've gotten older, obviously now I can't get those years back with my kids. Right. And I can't get those years back. Uh, blessed with an amazing wife, you know, and, and four amazing kids. And, uh, you know, I've loved the Lord. Most of them in ministry and, and, and they're, they're awesome. And, and, you know, I uh, thank the Lord for that, you know, cause most of us coaches sadly spend, more time each day teaching other people's kids about basketball and the Lord than we do our own. Yeah. Um, and we pray, God, please put somebody in their life that's doing that. Cause as they get older, they, uh, junior high, they don't want to listen to dad as much, yeah. you know, and then by the time it's high school, I'm not cool no more, you know, and now they're in college and it's like, dad, you know, uh, and then about 25 to 28, they're like, dad's coolest. You know, I'm like, what are <laughs> it comes back in there, you know, I'm hoping I'm in the teenage years right now. I'm hoping it comes back around because golly, I, I am not cool at all right now. But I, you know, it's funny. I, I get to ask this question a lot and, and a lot of coaches will, will choose that one to kind of go over and, and it, it, it's never, it's never, I wish I would have spent more time in the office. I wish I would have watched film more. I wish I would have spent more time away from my family. It's, it's what you talked about. And, and even there's been a theme throughout this entire talk with you. It's just keeping the main thing, the main thing. And for believers, 
And, and I think it's, it's really nice to be a believer in a coach because you truly get to focus on what's the main thing. And instead of just, just about basketball, because that, that dream, that game will end for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There, it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing game. Uh, coaching is probably the most uh, amazing profession on earth. The opportunity to, to use sports to touch lives. Uh, you know, I have a grandpa who was a green, you know, was a, was a, one of the first Navy SEALs. And, you know, we don't have to go to war. We get to go battle out here for fun. Yeah. And teach principles and worship God and celebrate what he's gifted us with. Like, I tell him, like, there's not one day out there that's work. My dad was a bricklayer. I know what construction, I had to do that as a kid, you know. I know what work is. That ain't work out there mm. on that court. Not one day, but I ask every kid in recruiting, like, what's the toughest thing you ever did? Almost every kid's like, uh, basketball, maybe it was suicide or something. I'm like, Separator. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know what work is, son. That's right. Like, uh, great, great point. It's been tough on you. Great point about <laughs> – I love that about war and how there have been right now there, there have been people in, in, in our generation that have had, to, have had to go to war. And for us to even call basketball, Hey, this is a battle. This is a war. You know, I, I get it, but let's, this is fun. Yeah. This is Don't lose fun that. worship opportunity. Don't lose that. Yeah. You ready for the speed round? All right, let's go. Okay. I got some quick I got some quick questions for you. First thing that pops in your head, okay. right out. Favorite ice cream flavor? Cookies and cream. For high school, shot clock or no shot clock? Shot clock. I knew that one for you. Uh texting or talking? Oh, talking. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Invisibility or super strength? Invincibility. Invisibility. Oh, invisibility can't see you. Oh, wow. Or super I, I like I like vision. I'm a vision guy. Okay. Um, what's the fastest speed you've ever driven a car? Oh, my speedometer just stops it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a 68 Chevy pickup. All right. Place you, most, 90. place you most want to travel. Bahamas. Nice. Two more. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? I'm not old enough yet. Ah, not a coffee guy. Never been a coffee guy. Never drank coffee in my life. Man, good for you. There's a lot of coaches. I, I feel like I'm in the minority of of uh, me and Wes Watson, multiple coffee drinkers per day. But uh, last one, Godfather or Star Wars? Star Wars. The force is strong with you. Well, Coach uh, – such an impactful time. I love getting to talk with you and, and thank you so much for just, you know, being the real deal. You are the first coach that I've ever seen. Uh, I, I actually, and I don't know if I've ever seen you without a Bible. Um, and, and it's something where if you don't get to really sit and talk with you and listen to you, you know, people can judge or, 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 think something about that but you just listening to you and just knowing you over the time and how uh real a uh, real deal you are man i really appreciate it back at you matt i've always uh really admired your your humbleness and faith and and the way your teams play and uh you know i know you're trying to be like you man dude yeah right i just uh, i love i love uh i love having another brother that uh i i know i can call on you any time of day if i needed a prayer if i needed a battle to be one, you know, I know the spiritual, the spiritual uh, strength in you is mighty. Oh, thanks, Coach. Appreciate your time, man. This was incredible. Thanks, man. God bless. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti Podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.